calling all lovers of mystery and fans of a good story. If you haven't already heard me talk about June's journey, you're in for a treat. It's time to don your detective hat in this free hidden object mobile game that delves into the captivating journey of June Parker, a self-proclaimed detective on a quest to unravel the mystery surrounding her sister's untimely death. In June's journey, you get to play as June, deciphering clues and unveiling secret plots within thousands of beautifully illustrated scenes. And did I mention it's set in the glitzy 1920s? New chapters are added weekly, so you will never run out of new thrills to uncover, and you can also personalize and decorate your very own Orchid Island where the story takes place. How sharp are your detective skills? Find out when you download June's Journey on your Android or iOS device, or play online via Facebook games. Your detective journey awaits. Welcome to the serialized audiobook of The Rookie, Season 1 of the Galactic Football League series. Written and performed by number one New York Times bestselling novelist Scott Sigler. The Rookie is also available in print, ebook, and unabridged audiobook. For links to purchase any version, visit scottsigler.com slash the rookie. Game three, Ionath Krakens one and one at Wittok Pioneers two and zero. Quith irradiated conference standings, a three-way tie for first with records of two and zero, the Glory Warpigs, Orbiting Death, and Wittok Pioneers. Tied for fourth with records of one and one, Big Diggers, Grontak Hydras, Ionath Krakens, and Sheb Stalkers. Tied for eighth with records of zero and two, Quith Survivors. Sky Demolition, and Woo Wall Crawlers. Half-dressed for practice and head hung low, Quentin trudged into the central dressing room. Hokor had summoned him to his office. Quentin had never felt like such a failure. He'd had his chance and he'd blown it. Pissed it away because he still didn't understand how fast things moved in the GFL. Logically, he understood, sure, but subliminally, at that primitive level where thought ceased and instinct took over, where split-second decisions were made, he just didn't get it. Quentin's tongue played against the back of the thin plastic that lined his front teeth. Doc said it would take the rest of the day to finish growing the tooth. The working nanocytes tingled in his gums. Was Hokor benching him again, or was he giving him a one-way ticket back to the purest nation? Quentin went to buzz the door, but it was already open, waiting for him like an execution chamber. He hesitated a moment, then stepped inside. You wanted to see me, coach? Hokor's pettipalp waved him in. The coach stood in the middle of the floor, staring into a holo of the Wittok Pioneers' 32-14 win over the Big Diggers. The holo was set to one-third size, making a six-foot-tall player project at two feet high, just a bit shorter than Hokor. Have a seat, Quentin. Quentin did as he was told. A pallor seemed to hang over his soul. He hadn't felt this way since the orphanage nuns had caught him eating food, eating more than his share by far. He tried to lie his way out of it, only making the nuns' wrath all the more severe. That had been his first public whipping, tied up in the city square, 
with hundreds watching as Sister Akira gave him 15 lashes. It was the longest day of a seven-year-old's life. Hokor said nothing. On the field, the diggers lined up in a three-wide receiver set with a tight end and a single running back. The defense closed in, showing tight woman-to-woman coverage. Hokor paused the game. He worked the controls so that the field spun until Quentin was behind the offensive line. What do you see? Uh, They're showing woman to woman, but I think they're set up for cover too. Why do you say that? The right corner's eyes are in the offensive backfield. If it was pure woman to woman, she'd be more concerned with the receiver in front of her. Hokor nodded once. Very good. And if that was you, and I'd call the post cross, what would you audible? Quentin stared at the field. His heart sank into his chest. He started to answer, then stopped, his mind suddenly blank. I wouldn't audible anything. I've had enough of audibling for a while. Hokor again nodded just once. If I put you in the game again, will you run the plays I call? Yeah. Good. You're starting this week. Quentin stared, dumbfounded. Surely your backwater ears understand what I'm telling you. You are starting this week. But, but I lost the game. Yes, you did. And you lost it because you didn't do what I told you to do. But this week, you will do what I tell you to do. Quentin nodded. Don Pine is out this week and next, Hokor said. The broken bone ruptured an artery. I don't think you're ready, but you give us the best chance of winning. The Pioneers have a good secondary, but only a moderate pass rush. Your mobility should be enough to keep you from getting sacked. We're one and one, Quentin. We've got to win this game. The Pioneers are 2-0 and and very tough. I need you to run a tight, ball-control offense so we can get a lead and chew up the clock. Yes, sir, Quentin said, wondering if a man could die from excitement. I need a strong week of practice from you. You're going to lead this team to a win. Yes, sir. Good. We practice here today, then it's a two-day flight to Wittok. That gives us two days of practice on the ship and two days at Wittok Stadium. There's a big time change. We'll be playing late at night, our time, so we need to be extra sharp. Let's have a good practice. Quentin stood and practically sprinted out of the room. Starting. His first GFL start. He'd thought himself out of a job, but Hokar was giving him the reins. He'd learned his lesson. This time, he'd play it Hokor's way. As he headed towards the main tunnel, Denver came out of the Sklorno locker room. I speak, please, she said. Quentin started to ignore the Sklorno receiver and keep walking, but something made him stop. What do you want? I shame myself when we speak last. I offer only help. I didn't appreciate Pine's sense of humor. Not understand, Denver said. I serve, run routes, and catch passes so your greatness increase. Please forgive me. I mean no sacrilege, only praise. Praise for Quentin Barnes. I help make you greater? She was asking him again. This disgusting cricket was asking him again if he needed her help. Quentin felt the flush of embarrassed rage start to spill over him once again. Then something odd happened. His mind flashed back to the Hydra's game, to the last play. The sheer speed of Wichita. If he had thrown to Haywick the second he saw her open, would he have completed the pass? He'd waited a half second, and that had been too long. There was no getting around the fact 
that he'd lost because he still wasn't used to Sklorno's speed. His anger faded away. Denver wasn't being rude. Denver was being honest. Quentin's game wasn't as sharp as it needed to be. But still, he'd figure it out, and without help from a cricket. Thanks for the offer, but no thanks, Quentin said, surprised to hear his voice come out normal, not snotty and hateful. Denver backed away, slinking back into the Sklorno locker room. Quentin didn't know much about alien behavior, but Denver seemed like she'd just been severely rebuked for some untoward behavior. Quentin turned and ran out the tunnel. He didn't have time to worry about it. He had a game to win. From space, Wittok's upper atmosphere looked to lime green. As the shuttle sliced into the soupy air, Quentin saw the all-encompassing cloud cover was actually a sulfurous yellow. The blazing light of the blue star at the center of the Wittok system reflected off the yellow outer atmosphere, the two colors combining for a peaceful green. That peaceful sensation faded away as the shuttle dove towards the planet. The closer they came to the surface, the darker it became. Miles-long bursts of lightning rippled through the dark sky, illuminating the ubiquitous clouds in milky-yellow explosions of light. Within minutes of the descent, all sunlight faded away, the shuttle coursing through Wittok's perpetual twilight. Is it always this dark? Quentin asked Shizzle, who fluttered about the small cabin. It is and has been for the last 145 years, Shizzle said. The little creature fluttered to a stop on Quentin's shoulder. Find your own seat, pal, Quentin said, and he gently brushed Shizzle away. The Kretorakian fluttered twice, then landed on the seat's armrest. The Sklorno Navy used relativity bombs on Wittok in 2524. They fired about 50 dense projectiles at near light speeds. At that speed, the projectiles literally punched right through the core and out the other side. The entry and exit points alone were the sources of devastation like nothing the galaxy had ever seen. The shockwaves destroyed surface life for thousands of miles in all directions. But the projectiles also mixed up Wittok's inner molten nickel core and the outer layer of molten iron. That caused huge shifts in the tectonic plates. Wittok suffered decades of massive quakes and volcanoes. Gases from the core filled the atmosphere, killing any life that survived the initial impacts. Wittok's climate was forever changed. It was 75 years before the tectonic plates settled into relative stability. The key word is relative, mind you, because the surface is still plagued with volcanoes that reach as high as five miles into the air. Some estimate it will be another 500 to 1,000 years before the crust settles completely and the volcanoes become dormant. How come Ionath isn't like that? The Sklorno also sat-bombed Ionath, right? They did, but they didn't use relativity bombs, which caused so much damage to Wittok that they've never been used again. The results scared even the Sklorno, who wondered if such destructive weapons might someday be utilized against their home world. For future wars, they instead developed the massive nuclear bombs that were used on Ionath and Grichlik. Wow, Quentin said. That was awful nice of them. They are a one-minded species, Shizzle said. They're part of the reason we Kretorakians took over. We feared that if left to yourselves, the warlike races of human, key, hurrah, and especially Sklorno might completely exterminate one another. Quentin looked out the window at the blank darkness. Say me the lecture, Shizzle. I've heard it all before. 
The amazing thing is that despite the almost complete destruction of Wittok and the fact that the planet is among the most hostile places in the galaxy, the Quith managed to successfully develop permanent cities. Ah, we're coming out of the clouds now. Behold, the port of Wittok. Quentin pressed against the viewport, eager to see his second alien city. As the lightless clouds thinned to nothing, however, he briefly wondered if he'd been tricked. It looked like a smaller version of his new home. The domed downtown looked the same, and the roads radiated out in the familiar spoke-like pattern. It looks like Ionath City, Quentin said. The port of Wetak was built well after the success of Ionath and Gritchlick, Shizzle said. The Quith's first pioneers landed 51 years after the relativity bombing, but the planet's surface was still so violent they could barely survive. It was another 50 years before they built an actual port that allowed large craft landings, so the city is really only about 60 years old. The shuttle swooped down towards the huge dome. Just like Ionath City, the dome's surface seemed to open just for the speeding shuttle. Inside the dome, right at the city center, sat a perfectly round stadium. That looks bigger than ours. E-A-N-M Stadium, Shizzle said. Seats 181,500. Every game is a sellout. There's no sunlight on the planet's surface, which hinders outdoor activities. There's not much to do, so beings on Wittok take football very seriously. More seriously than on INF? Last week, there were five murders involving tickets for the game against the big diggers. The shuttle banked to a landing pad atop a building attached to the stadium. Even the buildings looked very similar to Ionath City's. As the vehicle lowered for the landing, Quentin stared out the window at the field. Here the playing surface wasn't blue, but a pale yellow with black lines and numbers. He had read up on the stadium in his efforts to prepare as completely as possible. The plant that made up the field was reportedly a bit oily, making for poor traction and quickly stained uniforms. How would he run the offense in such poor footing? How would that affect the patterns of his receivers? Shizzle's history lesson faded away. Quentin's mind switched into full-out strategy mode even before the shuttle touched down. In the climate-ravaged world of 2072, the city of Pura stands as a miraculous green haven. Pura is a geoengineered paradise that protects its fortunate residents from the global catastrophes of heat domes, fires, floods, and droughts. In a time when the world outside is unsafe, it's vital for Pura's existence that people rally behind the purpose of the city, and Demetria Lopez, head of the city's public relations, tirelessly promotes its idyllic image. But when she stumbles on a dark secret that, if exposed, would be the downfall of Pura's existence, she must decide who and what she's willing to protect. From Wondery, the makers of Academy and Dr. Death, The Last City stars actors Ray Seahorn, Jeannie Tirado, and Maury Sterling. Follow The Last City on the Wondery app or wherever you get your podcasts. You can binge all episodes of The Last City early and ad-free right now by joining Wondery+. Plus. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? 
Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America NA, member FDIC. Quentin walked out of the Holy Light Bar and onto the streets of Port Wittock. The Holy Light was similar to the Blessed Lamb back on Ionath, a purest-only place where you could get heaping helpings of good food, religion, and reasons to hate every being except those that hailed from purest nation space. He ate politely, made friends. At the end, he asked if they could help him track down his parents. The people in the Holy Light acted exactly the way Father Harry had, offering to help him unconditionally. Quentin still had trouble believing that Nationalites liked him and wanted to help him, even though he was an orphan. Being an orphan, it seemed, had little meaning to people who had fled the home planets in fear of their lives, leaving behind family, belongings, and culture. Warburg had taken him to the Holy Light. Quentin excused himself shortly after dinner. Warburg meant well enough, but Quentin grew tired of the man's constant verbal attacks on anyone and anything that was not Nationalite. Quentin hated the sub-races too, sure, but he didn't need to talk about it every second of every day. The street outside the Holy Light might as well have been in Ionath City's human district, save for the fact that Port Wittock was perpetually under the blanket of night thanks to the huge volcanoes that spilled fumes into the upper atmosphere. Earthquakes, too, were a daily occurrence. But here, he'd learned, every building, even the huge stadium, rested on a Maggrav suspension system. So did the streets and any utilities like pipes, power transmitters, or atmosphere processors. Quakes hit four or five times a day. Things shook, everyone waited, things stopped shaking, everyone went on about their business. Port Wittock sat in the center of a tectonic plate, so significant ground cracks seldom posed a problem. The fact that 8.0 quakes shuttered the ground on a regular basis and that poisonous gas filled the air outside the dome didn't bother the quith, 1.2 million of them whom lived outside the curved downtown dome. It seemed these beings could live just about anywhere, and therein lay their advantage. For all of his countrymen's talk about being the High One's chosen people, humans couldn't survive for ten minutes on the surface of Wittok. Quentin walked alone down the street, weaving through the crowds of Quith, Key, Human, and Sklorno. He had a lot on his mind. Practice was going well, although he still had problems adjusting to the speed of his receivers and the defensive backs. His pass release had been slow when he arrived, and he hadn't even known it. Now he got rid of the ball twice as fast as he had when with the Raiders. That helped, but it didn't solve the main problem, which was adjusting his eyes to take in the whole field. Back home, he could see a 20-yard radius and know, instantly, who could move how far within that space. Thanks to the amazing speed of the Sklorno race, now he needed to see a radius of 40 to 50 yards, even more if he wanted to throw downfield. He had to drop back, instantly account for every Sklorno defensive back, know how far they could go, how high they could jump, and at what angle, then make the decision whether or not to throw and still deliver the ball on target. What was worse, the Kraken seemed to simply tolerate him as opposed to accepting him as their leader. They were Pines players. But why did they follow that has-been? Quentin was a better quarterback, albeit less experienced, and everyone on the team knew it. They followed Pine's commands without question. When Quentin commanded, 
He often got glares or bored looks before anyone complied. The key didn't block for him as well as they did for Pine. The human players were no better. Aside from Warburg, the human starters showed little respect, except for Mitchell Fayette, who ran every play as if his life depended on it. They were obviously all jealous of his talent. They wanted to keep their little status quo with their buddy Don Pine, and they resented new blood coming in to take over. Well, that was their problem, and they'd have to learn to deal with it. It was Quentin's team now, and they'd all learn that come game time. He was so lost in his thoughts, he didn't hear the flutter of Kretorakian wings right beside him. He didn't even know the little creature was there until it spoke. Quentin Barnes? Quentin turned to look at the bat. It had light yellow skin with mottled brown spots and wore a plain brown outfit. It hovered near his head, reminding Quentin of a big, noisy hummingbird. A disgusting one with six eyes. Yeah, that's me. My name is Magon, and I'd like a word with you. Or, more precisely, my employer would like a word with you. And who is your employer? Magon handed him a business disc. Quentin thumbed the button at the center, and a small hologram appeared above it. Magon, talent scout, tow pirates. Quentin felt his heart beat faster. You're really from the pirates? Yes, but it's better if we don't talk here. Your teammates might see. Follow me. Magon flew down a side street. Quentin followed him into the street, then into a small door. He had to duck to get through. Once inside, he was able to stand, but just barely, his hair touching the ceiling. The place was full of quith workers in various states of intoxication. Some danced to strange music. Some leaned against numerous three-foot-high poles that filled the room, and some laid on the floor. The smell of juniper filled the air. What is this place? A gin joint, Magon said, as he fluttered down atop one of the poles. He was the only Kretorakian in the room. For that matter, Quentin was the only human. I forgot that you don't know much about the galaxy. Gin, the same thing you humans distill and consume, has a powerful narcotic effect on the quiff. Most alcohol doesn't affect them, but there's something in gin that really knocks them out. Quentin thought back to the time he'd seen an opium den back on McCovey. Human or quith worker, stoners all look the same. It's pathetic. If you think these workers are bad now, you should see the ones that are hooked on raw juniper berries. At least the gin is distilled to take out some of the poisons. Quentin took another quick look around, then turned to Magon. Okay, so what's this about? What do the pirates want? They want you. The words hit like an injection of pure excitement. His body coursed with eagerness and hope. What, they want me now? Not now, idiot. At the end of the season, Karani Akolak will give you a three-year contract. A three-year contract? With the Toe Pirates, the greatest franchise in GFL history. His childhood dream come true. That sounds great. Tell Mr. Kolak I'm very interested. Of course you're interested, Backwater. It's the Toe Pirates. Everybody is interested. But there's one catch. Which is? You have to make sure the Krakens don't make the playoffs. Quentin's face furrowed. But why? What difference does that make? Magon fluttered his wings, a clear sign of irritation. 
Because, Backwater, if the Krakens make the playoffs and make it into Tier 1, all players are protected for two years. That means the Pirates, or any other team for that matter, can't touch you unless the Krakens cut or trade you. Oh, yeah, Quentin said, some of his excitement fading away. Yeah, I forgot about that. But it doesn't look like that's going to be a problem. You guys are already one and one, and there's no way you're going to beat the Pioneers, so you'll be two games out of first place. Just make sure the Krakens lose any games you start, and you'll be wearing the blood red before you know it. Mr. Kolak thinks there's big things in your future. If I need to talk to you again, I'll contact you, but we can't be seen together. If the league finds out we're talking, the pirates will be fined and you'll be suspended. Suspended? Quentin quickly looked around the bar, but still saw only drunken quith workers. Why didn't you say that before we started talking? Not my fault you don't know GFL regulations. Now, if you'll excuse me, I want to go. I can't stand the stink of humans. With that, Magon fluttered up and flew out the door. Quentin stared after him. The Toe Pirates. The Toe Pirates. Winners of five GFL championships, more than any other team. The Pirates, with their legendary blood-red jerseys, and they wanted him. Just make sure you lose the games you start. Those words pushed to the forefront of his brain, dissipating his excitement. Tank a game or two? Sure, they had one loss, but with a win against the Pioneers, the Krakens were right back in the race. Quentin shook his head and walked out of the gin joint. He'd never thrown a game in his life, but odds were he wouldn't have to. The Pioneers were the best team in the Quith Irradiated Conference. They'd probably walk all over the Krakens' defense. It wouldn't come down to Quentin tanking the game. At least, he hoped it wouldn't. You have been listening to The Rookie, Season 1 of the Galactic Football League Series. Produced by Ariok Morningstar, with post-production by Steve Rickyberg. Written and performed by Scott Sigler. For more information on Scott and more free stories, go to scottsigler.com. Theme music is the song The Kids Are Coming For You by the band Super Weapon. Superweaponband.com. You're trying to say I'm putting the air The kids are coming for you Nothing you can do Every five minutes, a transplant candidate dies while waiting for a compatible heart, liver, or kidney. Imagine a technology that could provide those life-saving transplant organs for a high price, and imagine what a company would do to monopolize that technology. On a remote island in Lake Superior, a team of geneticists unlocks this holy grail of medicine by reverse engineering the genomes of all mammals, creating an animal with organs perfectly suitable for human transplantation. They envisioned a docile herd animal, but one team member had another, darker vision. This ancestor is anything but docile. 
the team's work spawns something big, something evil, something very, very hungry. Ancestor is a complete serialized fiction podcast by number one New York Times bestselling novelist Scott Sigler with all episodes available. Binge the entire story now on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you listen to podcasts.